1: And we join him right now with today's message.
2: I want to share a message with you today that I preached about 15 years ago. I call it the bases of our faith. And I want to take a baseball diamond, and I want to take you on a spiritual journey here today. Now, I do not think there's anything wrong with using sports as a spiritual analogy or illustration. And the reason I say that to you is because of the great apostle Paul who wrote half of the New Testament, he often and obviously had watched some type of athletic events because he would use that, it would be sprinkled throughout his writings. For example, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Paul wrote these words, Let us run with perseverance the what? The race that is before us. He tied the Christian life uh, into a race, like being in a race. Ephesians chapter six, he used these words: "We wrestle not against flesh and blood." First Corinthians nine, verse twenty-seven, he said, "I do not fight like a man who is beating the air or or shadow boxing." There's an old old joke that many of you have heard about when it's a quiz. When is baseball first? ever mentioned in the bible and the answer is in genesis 1 1 that says in the big inning god created the heavens and the earth so baseball is in the bible just so you know today this simple illustration and point number one or base number one first base everybody say first base base. write this down is conversion to jesus christ that's first base salvation is the initial step a baseball player or a baseball runner he cannot score until he first reaches first base so from one angle first base is the most important base a runner will never score until he gets on that base now here's the question how do you get to first base i want you to note that we are all sinners here today you have to understand that The Bible says, and it words it as this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And just to do a little poll to show you, how many of you would raise your hand and admit you are a sinner? Raise your hand if you'd admit that you're a sinner. Now, if you look, someone didn't raise their hand, they're the biggest sinner in here, just so you know. (laughs) Every time you see a bank, it's proof that men are sinners. Because if men were not sinners, you could leave your money in your mailbox and it would be okay. Every time you see a police officer, it's proof that men are sinners. Because if men always obeyed the law, there would be no need for police officers. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short. Therefore, write this down. We are all in need of a Savior. And the only person who can save us from our sins is the one who never sinned and there's only been one person who's ever lived that never sinned and that was the lord jesus christ jesus is our savior the bible says in romans 5 8 but god demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners christ died for us I want you to say those last four words christ died for us and what that means is we have all sinned therefore we are all guilty therefore the bible says the consequences of sin is death we should have been the ones who should have paid the price for our sins but christ on the cross he took our place he died for us that's salvation the bible says in hebrews 5 verses 7 8 and 9 during the days of jesus's life on this earth he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears jesus was a crier and he prayed to the one who could save him from death that would be his heavenly father and jesus was heard because of his reverent submission verse 8 although he was a son He learned obedience from what he suffered. And verse 9 reads, And once made perfect, and I believe that when Jesus was willing to suffer, that was his his reverent submission to his heavenly Father, and that on the cross when he died, that suffering in perfection became the salvation of the world. Because verse 9 says, and once made perfect, he, Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And so the question is, how do you obey Jesus? How are you converted to Jesus? Well, in your notes, I have these four words, and I don't have time to dig deep but i left you the bible verses and the references so you can go in and study on your own in order to be saved in order to obey jesus you have to start off by believing you have to believe in your heart that jesus is the christ the son of the living god you've got to believe that he was born of a virgin that he lived a sinless life and that when he died on that cross as the son of god that his death was the atonement for your sins you have to believe that he died in your place That he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then you have to repent. You have to turn to him. You can't just continue to live your life the way you want to live. The Bible says you have to repent. Uh, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. You have to turn away from self, turn away from the things of this world, and turn your life over to God. And the Bible also says you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, not just that he's your Savior but he wants to be your king, your Lord, your ruler, your boss. So you have to believe, you have to repent, you have to confess that he's Lord. And the Bible also says that every believer needs to be baptized. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, when people were baptized, they were fully immersed. That's why we practice immersion here at this church. Sprinkling did not get started until the year 1311 Which means that for 1,311 years, every single believer in Jesus Christ was baptized by immersion. And that's why we practice immersion here at this church. Now, it's kind of confusing. It looks like, well, are there four steps? Are there five steps? How many steps are there to uh, salvation? There's only one step. I want you to write this down. And that is to surrender your life to Jesus completely. You just have to surrender your life to Jesus. Yes, you have to hear the word. You need to believe. You've got to believe that he's the son of God. You've got to turn your life over to him. You've got to confess him as your Lord and be baptized into his name. But all of that is under the umbrella of just one step. And that is you surrendering your life and committing by faith and obedience to the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is first base and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Now we go to second base. Write this down. Second base is the church. When you obey Jesus and you become his son or his daughter, you automatically become a part of the church. Now here is the problem. We have way too many people who get on first base. They skip across the pitcher's mound to third base And they're going to sneak home one day, and they leave out the church of Jesus Christ altogether. You say, well, I don't like the church. Well, you're in it anyway. That's what the church is. It's a group of people who have believed, who have repented, who have confessed, who have been baptized, who have named the name of Jesus and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And once you do that, that puts you in the church. Just because your name is on a church roll, does not mean you're a part of the church. Far from it. In fact, you can have your name on a dozen different church roles and still not be a member of the church. Are you listening? You can go down here and join the Baptist church and the Methodist church and the Presbyterian church and the Lutheran church and the Assemblies of God church. And while you're at it, go ahead and jo- join the Christian church and get your name on all the church rolls. Having your name on a church roll does not save you. But the moment, the moment you obey Jesus and you are converted to Jesus Christ and you become born again, you hear and you believe and you accept and repent and you confess and you're baptized, that places you on second base. You say, well, you say, well, can I be a Christian and not be a part of the church? The answer is no, you cannot. The moment you give your life to Christ, that moment places you automatically into the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, what is called the church. As you're reading the Bible and you see the word church in the Greek, it's the word ekklesia, and it means the called out assembly. That's what the word is. It's the assembly of believers in corinth the assembly of believers in ephesus the assembly of believers in philippi now you might meet up on a mountaintop you might meet in a cave you might meet on a street corner you might meet in a beautiful building but there must be an assembly of believers the bible says in hebrews ten twenty five, let us not give up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing you know it's easy to get out of the habit of going to church some things are called bad habits some things are called good habits going to church is a biblical habit that's what the church is meeting together every week and i want you to take an honest inventory an honest inventory how often do you go to church some people only go once a month did you know that some people go twice a month, like clockwork. Some people go three times a month, and some people actually go every week. Some people only go, go once a year on Easter, and we will not see them again for a whole other year. <laughs> but ask yourself, how, how often do you go, seriously? Now, it's probably less than what you think. Because some people say, well, I go all the time. Well, if you really figure it out and look at the calendar, how often do you really go? The average churchgoer in America attends church... times a month they go between one or two times a month and honestly you ought to be here every time the church doors are open now every once in a while there's someone who comes along and they tell they actually i don't know why you tell me this but people actually say this to me (laughs) they say preacher i didn't go to church today but i i watched you online yeah I'm talking to some of you right now that are I'm talking right at you and usually when someone says that to me I go that's that's not why we're on the internet we're, we're not here so if you have you know you, you can skip coming and just sit at home but usually I I will get to the point where I'll go you know what if You're telling me that just the two of you right now, right now where you are, you're at home, that you're the church. Yeah, yeah, that's us, that's us. I usually say, good for you. Because according to the Bible in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the church, they met together because they were devoted to the studying of the Word of God and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to taking communion, to praying. But the church exists for the purpose of reaching those who are unsaved. So if it's just the two of you at your house right now, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody say it's okay. Okay. But next week, if you're really the church, now if you're just skipping, you're skipping. But if you really believe that you're the church, then next week there won't be two of you in your bedroom. There'll be four of you. Because you will have been out evangelizing this week. And then there'll be eight of you. Then 20 of you. Then you're going to have to knock down that bedroom wall and make a larger room and... Buy more pajamas so everybody can be there on Sunday morning. And eventually you'll have 100 and then you'll have 200. If you're really the church. And one day you'll be like Raul Reese who started a church here in Southern California. He started with eight people in his house. And today they run some 14,000 people in their church. Now that's a church. So you keep watching on home. It's kind of ridiculous, though. A man says he loves Jesus. I love Jesus, but I don't ever go to church. That doesn't even make sense, does it? That's like a guy who says, you know, hey, man, I got to tell you, I love baseball. I love baseball more than any other sport, but I can't stand baseball games, baseball diamonds, baseball bats, baseball gloves. That's like a man who says, I love to swim. Oh, I love to swim. But you know what? I can't stand water. It doesn't make any sense. A man who loves baseball will gravitate towards the baseball diamond. The man who loves football will gravitate towards the football game. The man who loves tennis will gravitate towards the tennis court. The man who loves to swim will gravitate towards the swimming pool. And the man who loves Jesus Christ in his heart will gravitate towards the church of Jesus Christ. I know the church isn't perfect. I know the church is full of hypocrites. How many of you know the church is full of hypocrites? Yeah, just point to the person next to you. Just point to. Them. Get that out of your system. But we with all of our problems, we are still the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And one day, I keep telling you this, one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return, and guess who he's coming back for? He's coming back for his bride. And he's going to take us, the church. And he's going to take us, and we're going to live with him forever and ever. Max Boothby was a youth pastor here at this church, and he was the one, he said this, and I'll never forget what he said he said, he was speaking one day, and he said, he said, if you don't like going to church, you're probably not going to like going to heaven. I want you to think about that. If you don't love being in a place where we come to worship Jesus and to give Him of ourselves and to worship Him and to praise Him, to study, to lift up Jesus... Where there's people of every nationality in this room, a multi racial, multi ethnic situation where we come together just to sing and to praise and to give thanks. Let me tell you, you are probably not going to like heaven because when we get there, there'll be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation under the sun who will be gathered to simply worship a living God. Third base is serving first base is salvation second base is the church third base is where you serve we have way too many christians who get saved and they get on second base they come to church and i don't know how to say this to you but they get into a rocking chair and they come to church and they just sit and rock Oh, they might sing a song or two. They might endure a sermon or two. But they never lift a finger around the church, volunteering their time, their talent, their service. I want you to write this down. We are saved to serve, we have been called to serve, and we have been gifted to serve. I know folks, and don't, don't take offense by this, but I know folks who have been coming to this church, and I've got to tell you, this is one of the greatest churches on this planet. But I, I know people, I don't want to name you, but I know people who have been coming to this church for 20 years, and they have done nothing but simply warm a chair. And I'm glad they're here but they're not really serving in any capacity. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this, just say, you know, if a chicken sits that long, at least it hatches something. (laughs) Go ahead and say that to your neighbor. Just tell them if a chicken sits, at least it hatches something. I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe you just said that. What are you thinking? I want to read this to you romans chapter 12 verse 6 7 and 8 it says we everybody say we we have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us if a man's gift is prophesying let him use it in proportion to his faith if his gift is serving let him serve if his gift is teaching let him teach if it's encouraging let him encourage if it's contributing to the needs of others let him do so generously If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The Lord has gifted every one of you to serve in some way, some form. Write these two questions down. Question number one, what gifts or talents do you have? You should always be asking yourself that question. And the second question is, how are you using that gift? How are you deploying the gift that God has put inside of you. No wonder why the world is lost and cold and indifferent from the things of God. We're not going to win this world. I will tell you this right now. We're not going to win the world to Jesus with our frozen doxologies and our half hearted service. You recall when Jesus arose from the grave, he, he was cooking breakfast for his disciples. And, and after the meal was concluded, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, Do you love me? And Peter said, well, Lord, of course I love you. Then Jesus said, well, why don't you feed my lambs? And just a few minutes go by, and Jesus turns to Peter a second time. He said, Peter, I want to ask you, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, what are you talking about? You just asked me like a few seconds ago if I love you. Of course I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And just a few minutes later, for the third time, Jesus turns back to Peter again, He says, Peter, for the third time, do you really love me? And Peter said, well, Lord, you keep asking me over and over if I love you, and I keep telling you over and over, of course I love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What's Jesus, why does he keep asking this question? Because Jesus says, if you love, if we say I love you, he wants us to get involved in feeding sheep and taking care of people. And all God's people said, what a difference our world would be. How greater of an impact would this church have in this city that we say we love if we would all get involved and all serve in some form or fashion, and all God's people said.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners, That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Hello friends, my name is Dusty Frizzell and I want to invite you to our Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right, we're adding a fourth service. Worship service starts at 7 p.m. and it's for all ages. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.